Amen. If you will, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. I would appreciate it if you will take your Bibles out, keep them open, and follow along in the Scriptures as we try to preach tonight. Uh, I know it helps to, uh, to keep me from being distracted when I do that. It's easy at home sometimes, isn't it, just to get to, get to going doing this or doing that. So stay in your Bible with me and follow along, and I think the Lord will help us um, through the Word tonight. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to start reading in verse number um, 14. We'll start reading in verse number 14 and go through verse number 30. The Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and, his Lord, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more." His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went, and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it, unto, give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to take your Bible, look back, and if you want to underline something, this is going to be our, our text, our phrase, uh, our title, in verse number 25 of uh, Matthew 25. Uh, it says, and I was afraid. With the Lord's help, we're going to preach on that subject of I uh, was afraid. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help. Dear Lord, uh, we love you, God. We thank you for your goodness and, Lord, for your mercy in our life. Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, this church and, Lord, just the opportunity you have given us to, to serve here. And, Lord, we thank you for your people and, Lord, their desire to, to, to love you and to serve you. Lord, we pray that you would help with the preaching of your word tonight, God. Um, I believe this is something that a lot of people are fighting with right now, Lord, just this fear of, of, of what's going on around us and just, Lord, how we can serve you through all of this. And Lord, may you give us strength. May you give us courage. May you give us faith, God, uh, so that we can serve you with our lives. Uh, Lord, help us not to be afraid. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we come here to this passage, and this is one of the, the three sermons, the three great sermons that Jesus preached through the book of Matthew. You find three sermons. The first sermon that you find, you find in Matthew chapter 5. Turn back there with me. Matthew chapter 5, it's the Sermon on the Mount. In my opinion, this is probably one of the greatest sermons, if not the greatest sermon ever preached, is, is found in Matthew chapter 5. And the point of this sermon, the point of the Sermon on the Mount, is about our having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in the first part, he talks about blessed are the poor. He's about how to have this happy life. And then if you'll, you'll look in verse number 21, you'll see he says this. He says, ye have heard. And then verse 22, he says, but I say. Uh, you see the same thing in verses 27 and 28. Ye have heard, but I say. Verse 31 and 32, it says, it has been said, but I say. And then verse number 33, ye have heard. Verse 34, but I say. And you find the same thing in 38 and 39 and 43 and 44. And what Jesus is trying to say here, he's preaching to this religious crowd. And they're saying, you've heard all of these things, but I'm telling you it's more than that. It's about having a personal relationship with me, with God, with the God of heaven. In, in chapter 6, he, in verse number 1, he talks about how they were doing the alms to be seen of man. And he says, that's not what it's about. It's about, about your Father which seeth in secret. And so this first sermon that Jesus is preaching is, he's preaching on this subject of having a personal relationship uh, with Him, with God. It's not about religion. Uh, he he says in ver chapter 6, he tells about uh, three times, he says that that, that, um, that you may be seen of man. And then he says, but your father which seeth in secret. And a lot of us can put that outward appearance of looking like a Christian on. You can do that religious thing. But are you? do you have a relationship? When God looks at you, does he see a son or daughter? And so that's what this whole sermon and the Sermon on the Mount is really about. It's about having that personal relationship with God. And then the second sermon you find. So the first sermon is the Sermon on the Mount, personal relationship with God. The second one is the parables of the kingdom. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Turn over to Matthew. Matthew 13. In Matthew chapter 13, you find Jesus giving these, these parables. And the per, the, the, this a message is about the purpose of the church in this time. He's talking about what, what we're to be doing during this period that we live. And it gives us these parables. And we're to be expanding the kingdom. We're to be out there um, uh, sowing the seed, the Bible says. And, and we're to be protecting that harvest. We're, we're to watch out for the wheat and the tear. And, and so it's talking about the purpose of this church age in which we live. That is our goal is to get the seed out and to be spreading the gospel, to see the kingdom expanding. That is the purpose of Whitfield Baptist Church. Let's don't lose that purpose. Just because we're in the midst of a pandemic and, and we can't have services the way we have services, we need to still be reaching out to this world, getting the seed out there. We don't need to let the tares come in and, and divide our church. Uh, that's the purpose of the uh, of the, this church age. So we see a personal relationship in the Sermon on the Mount. We see the purpose of the church age in the parables of the kingdom. But then we come to this passage that we're looking at here in Matthew chapter 24. And in Matthew chapter 25, and we have the Olivet Discourse. And this is the third great sermon that Jesus preaches in the book of Matthew. And this one is on the prophecy of the second coming. It's on the prophecy of the second coming. In, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus goes and he gives a lot of the signs or the, 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 the things that are going to be happening uh, in, in the end times and before he comes. And, and a, lot, a lot of people get caught up on this prophecy thing. You know, it used to be even more popular, I think, than it is today. 
today. It used to be they have prophecy conferences and people that that's all they did was they got they got caught up on prophecy and 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 they would be looking about this time and what this meant and this is what Russia was this and China was this and and all of these things. And look, I'm not saying we shouldn't know and we shouldn't look at the signs and all of those things, but that's not the purpose of prophecy. The pro- purpose of prophecy is not to make us smarter or make us feel more intellectual. The purpose of prophecy is to make us a productive Christian today. It's to is to promote us to do what God wants us to do. Vance Havner said it like this. He says, do not so contemplate eternity that you waste today. A lot of people, they look at prophecy and they think, well, that's good. You know, I need to know all the details of prophecy. Well, what you need to do is you need to realize because Jesus is coming, he's got a job for you to do today. And so the, in this chapter 25, he gives us two parables about the second coming, two parables about the second coming. The first parable he gives us is on the ten virgins, on the ten virgins. And this parable has to do with salvation, has to do with salvation. Uh, So maybe you know this parable. We won't go into it much. There's a lot that can be said through here, but we won't go into it much. But there's five foolish virgins. There are five wise virgins. Uh, and they're, 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 uh, the brides, uh, the, the grooms is going to come and he's going to call them and, and, and they're, they need to be ready for that. And so the, the five foolish don't have oil in their lamp. They have a lamp. It looks, looks like they're ready, but that they have is a lamp. But the five wise virgins, they have oil in their lamps. And the bridegroom cometh. He comes at midnight and he calls out. The trumpet sounds. He calls out to them. And the five that are ready are called in and the door is shut. And the five that are foolish are left behind. Uh, and that oil, that represents the Holy Spirit. And, and, and inside of us, Romans 8 9 talks about that. And this whole passage, this whole parable is teaching us this, this principle that we need to be ready for the second coming of the Lord. Do you know for sure that you're saved today? Hey, if, do you have oil in your life? They, they look the same. They looked exactly the same. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you do good. Maybe you have all the, the, the outward adorning of being a Christian. But do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? That lamp looked just like the other lamp, but w- without the oil, there was no life in that lamp. You can't light it. There was nothing, there was no purpose in that lamp. But whenever you have that Holy Spirit living inside of you, Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6 sort of talks about this same thing. In Isaiah 55 verse 6, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let me tell you something. Jesus is coming. Uh, Death may be coming. And you need to call upon the Lord while he may be found. Uh, Make sure you have oil in your lamp. Make sure you're ready when the bridegroom comes. Because the Bible says that after he came that he shut the door. And they said, Lord, open it to us. And he said in verse 12, Verily, I know you not. And it would be a, a shame for you to be going to church, look the part, and not be saved, not be ready when the Lord Jesus comes. Uh, I, I pray that, that everyone will make sure that they're ready when Jesus comes. And then we come to this second parable. We come to the parable of the talents. The first parable talked about our our salvation, knowing for sure that we're saved when Jesus, when the second second coming takes place. But this one, the, the talents, it speaks about our service. It talks about our service and what we read. And so we 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 can have some truths that we're going to learn about our service. Um, uh, from this parable. All right, so let me give you a couple truths and then we're going to get into our, our, the, 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 the point, the, the, the gist of our message tonight. So the first thing that we find 
Number one, the truth from this parable is we're only stewards, not owners. Look at verse 14. We're only stewards, not owners. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them. What does it say there? They, he delivered unto them his goods. Hey, we're only stewards. These are his goods. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 tells us that, that, is, that we are only stewards. Uh, James 1.17 says uh, that every good and every perfect gift cometh from above. Listen, whatever you have, it comes from God. We are not owners. We are only stewards. That'll free us to live a, a life that is pleasing to Him. Uh, I think a lot of our problem is we try and hold on to things. We try and uh, serve ourselves. We think what we have is ours when everything we have is God's. Everything has been given to us by Him. He is our creator. He is our sustainer. And our lives are not our own. We ought to live for Him. The Bible says, love not this world, neither the things that are in this world. One thing that keeps us from our serving the Lord the way that we should is that we don't realize that everything we have comes from Him. It's His. So we are only stewards, not owners. Second thing here, number two, truth from this parable we can learn. Every Christian has been given some gift. Look at verse number 15. And unto one He gave Five talents. And unto another, two. And to another, one. To every man. Notice what it says. To every man, according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. So every Christian has been given some gift. Every man. Every man. Uh, God has given to everybody some gift. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where it's talking about these gifts and talks about how the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, these, these gifts, it says that He's given them to, and it uses the exact same phrase, He's given them to every man to profit with all. So we all have been given some gift. God has something that He's given to you. In this parable, He's given them talents. This is a great, this is something of great worth, of great value. Uh, I was reading one commentator and he said that a talent is equal to about 20 years wages for these people. It was about 20 years wages. So you might think, well, I've not been given five, but God has given you two or God has given you one. Whatever He's given you is of great value and you ought to use it for His glory. Now, now, this is contrasted with Luke chapter 19. We won't look over at Luke 19, but Luke 19, it gives us the parable of the pounds. In the parable of the pounds, he gives to each servant one pound. He gives to each servant one pound. And that represents the opportunity that we have, this life that you have. We're all given one. We're all given one life. And let me ask you something. What are you going to do with your life? One of those servants, he, he got 10 more pounds out of that one pound. One got five and one got just one because he hit it just like this guy did. What are you doing with the life that God's given? He's given all of us the opportunity of life today and we ought to do something with it. But this is talking about he's given to different types and different amounts to different people. And it says according to his several ability. And he doesn't, he, 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 he doesn't give to everybody the same. And so everybody has been given some gift. You've, give, you've been given something that God wants you to use for His glory. And He's given you something that's special, specific to you. Number three uh, truth that we can learn from this parable. And this is, this is an important one. We have the choice to use or not use the gift that God has given to us. Notice this in verse 16. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, uh, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. We have a choice. 
In verses 16 and 17, we find this one that had received the five talents. He went out and traded and he got five more talents. Uh, the one that had received the two, he went out and traded and he got two more talents. But the one that had received just the one, he went and digged and he hid it in the earth. You have a choice whether you use your talents for God or not. That's not, it, it, it's, not up to, uh, it's not up to him, it's up to you. He's given it to you. Uh, you know, I, I'm afraid that a lot of us get in this maintenance mode, like this guy in verse number 18, you know. He went and he digged it in the earth. I don't know why he, he did that, but he went and digged in the earth and, and he wanted just, just to hold the status quo and, 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 and keep things the same. And, and he went into this maintenance mode and he did nothing with it. He just chose uh, not to use his gift for God's glory. You know, God has given us all gifts. What are you doing with it? Are you using it for His glory? You know, I was thinking about this thought. I was thinking about the wasted potential buried in the pews of our churches. Think about that. This guy, he had that one talent. He didn't have the five, he didn't have the two, but he had one that could be used greatly for God's glory. And he hid it. He hid it. There are so many people in our pews that aren't using their talents, their gifts, the, what God has given them for His glory. So we have a choice of what we're going to do. And here's number four here. The one day we will give an account of how, God, how we use the talent, the gift that God has given us. Look at verse 19. It says, And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. Hey, that is certain. Jesus is coming again. He says, the Lord of that servant cometh, those servants cometh, and reckoneth with them. Jesus is coming, and he's going to reckon. Jesus is coming, and you're going to give an account of what you've done with the talent, with the gifts that he has given you. Now, notice how he's going to judge us. Look at verse number 20. It says, and so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents. Notice what he said to him. Notice how the Lord judged him. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hey, he judged him on his faithfulness to use the gift that God had given him. Now notice verse 22. He also that had received the two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. And behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. Now notice what he said. Now, he didn't gain five like the first guy. He only gained two. But notice what he said. His Lord said unto him, Well, you did all right. You didn't do quite as good as the first guy, but you did all right. That's not what he said. Look at what he said. He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hey, listen, it, it didn't matter if he had gained five. It didn't matter if he gained two. He was faithful with the gift that God has given him. And, the, and God judged him the same way. Now notice what happened to the one that hid it in the earth. In verse number 24, we see the one that hid it. He comes to him. In verse number 26, this is what the Lord said to him. He said, and his Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Hey, listen, he's going to judge us according to our faithfulness to him. Are you being faithful with the gifts that God has given you? When you stand before him, are you going to hear well done? Or are you going to hear wicked and slothful servant? That's the only two options. And then lastly here, the truth that we're going to learn, this is one we're going, to, we're going to look at for a few minutes. We're going to look at this truth. When we stand before God, there will be no excuses. Look at verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came. Remember, this is the guy that had hid it in the earth. And he said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strong. Now, listen, that's a lie from Satan right there, isn't it? 
That's, that's what the devil tries to tell you about the Lord. Remember back in the garden? What did, what did, what did uh, Satan try and tell Eve to deceive her? He said that God was mean, that God was unkind, that God didn't love you, that God was holding out on you. That's what the devil tries to do. That's what the devil had done to this man. But notice what his excuse was. He says, and I was afraid. I was afraid. You know, there's going to be no excuses. Fear is not going to be an excuse. There's going to be no excuse. When we stand before the Lord to give account of what we've done with the gift, the talent that he's given to us, there, are no, there will be no excuses. I want you to see some reasons why we do not obey God. There's some reasons why we do not obey God. Let me give you two or three of these. Uh, one reason that you might, you might not obey God would be ignorance. Some people just don't know. They don't know what to do. They don't know what God wants for them. They're, 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 maybe, they're, maybe they weren't raised in church. Maybe they don't know how to obey. Maybe they don't understand it all. And, and so because of that, they're not obeying God the way they should. What is the remedy to that? What is the, what is the solution? What can we do if we're, if we're ignorant? We can get knowledge. We can get knowledge. That's the reason we ought to be studying God's word. Psalm 119 verse 105 says this. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What you need to do if, you, if you're not able to obey God because of ignorance is you need to get in his word. Find what he wants for you. Hey, you need to get in a good church. You need to be under the preaching of the gospel. You need to get around somebody that can train you, that can disciple you. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 130 says this, and I like this. He says, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding standing under the simple. Hey, God, ignorance is, can be no excuse when you stand before the Lord because he's given his word for you so that you can have a plain knowledge. You can see what the path that he'd have you to go and you can use the gift that God has given you. So the remedy to ignorance is knowledge. It's knowledge. Another reason that people don't obey God is sometimes because of rebellion. Hey, they know. They know what they're to be doing. They know they didn't be serving God. They know that God has got a calling on their life. They know uh, that they should be witnessing to their friend, their friend. They know they should be reading their Bible. They know they should not be committing that sin that they keep committing. They know they shouldn't be walking down that path. They know they shouldn't be doing that. And out of, out of resentment or bitterness or anger towards God, they rebel. And let me tell you, the only remedy to rebellion is repentance. There's nothing else you can do. You need to repent. You need to turn. You need to, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9 that we ought to confess our sin. That's the only remedy to, repent, uh, uh, to rebellion is repentance. Confess it. Get it right. Get your life right with God. Uh, a good verse on these is James chapter number 4. Look at James 4. Let me give you these. Turn with me. Stay with me in the word of God tonight. James chapter 4. Look at verse number 7. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. It's to submit. That's the first thing we need to do. Hey, if you're rebelling against him, maybe, maybe you know what, uh, something God has for you and, and you're rebelling against it. You need to submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Notice this. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hey, God wants you to be right with him. God wants you to be next to him. God wants you to be serving him. God wants you to be using your talent for him. And you're in rebellion. You need to repent and get right with him. He will receive you back into himself. And there's another reason that we have, and that's what we find here. The reason... Uh, that some people don't obey God, sometimes it's fear. That's what this man was claiming, wasn't it? He was standing before his Lord and he had done something he knew, knew he was wrong and he said, Lord, I was afraid. I was afraid. So fear. I want you to notice two or three things about fear. First of all, let's look at some types of fear. What are some types of fear? 
What are some things that keep us from, uh, some types of fear, some things that keep us from serving the Lord? Two types of fear that we see. We see an, a natural fear. And I, I call this a cautious fear. Uh, this, is, this is something like, an example would be like snakes. How many of you are scared of snakes? I'm scared of snakes. You know, I don't understand those people that go wanting to grab and handle snakes. I just don't get it. It's a natural fear. When they hiss at me and act like they want to bite me, that means I'm scared of you, right? Okay, that's a natural fear. It's a good thing. Uh, it's like fire. Uh, it's a good thing. Uh, it's like being afraid of electricity. Uh, I, I was changing some light fixtures out in the back here uh, just the other day, and, and I make sure that I turn all the breakers off. I used to not do that. I used to think I'd just do it to switch, but I found that sometimes that doesn't work because I got shocked one time, and from now on, I'm scared of electricity, and so I'm going to make sure every breaker's turned. Um, I was reading this story about Tony Dungy. Uh, some of you might not know who Tony Dungy is. He's a famous football coach now. He's, a, he's an NFL commentator. Christian man, good godly man, wrote some books. Um, he wrote a good book, sort of his personal uh, autobiography. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's a good book. And in it, he talks about his son. His son has this rare condition. It's uh, where he cannot feel pain. I think it's called SEPA or something. It's a congenital condition where he can feel things, but he doesn't have pain sensors in his hands. And some of you might think, well, that's a good thing. But it's not because he's, he, he's not scared of those things he should be scared of. He does have no fear. He says that, that his son, his name was Jordan. His son's name was Jordan. And he loved cookies. He loved chocolate chip cookies. And, and, and he would think, well, chocolate chip cookies on the plate are great. So maybe they're even better when they're in the oven. And if he didn't keep an eye on him, he would go. He would open the oven and he would grab that pan and he would pull it out, burning himself all the way, grab a cookie and put it in his mouth and burn himself. It's a fear. Uh, you know, some people think this, this thing is silly or crazy or you shouldn't be scared. There is good caution, precautions that we can take as people. God gives us that for a reason. And there's a natural fear. There's a, there's a precaution. There's a cautious nature uh, that God has placed in us. And, and whenever that goes awry, there's bad, there's bad things that can happen. So there is a natural fear. But here's what we really want to talk about is this unnatural fear. And I call it a crippling fear. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 talks about this. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 7. This is, this is an important verse, and I know it's been talked about several times, but let's look at it. It says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. This unnatural fear, it's a crippling fear. It's a fear where we can't seem to go on. We can't serve God. I, 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 have, I have sensed this um, in these, this, this day that we're living in. This, it's, a lot of people are getting in this crippling fear. There are people that have not left their homes. And look, I'm not, I'm not saying that if you, if you have a condition, you need to stay at home. I understand that. But there are people that have allowed this thing to cripple them from serving God. Uh, they, 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 won't, they won't do anything. I know people that, that as you pass them, I can see a scaredness in their eyes. They're crippled by this thing. I was talking to, well, was my mother-in-law. Uh, and, and she was talking about, about going to the store. And about trying to hold her breath as she passed by people. And that's okay. It's a good precaution. I'm not against that. But if you hold your breath so long that you pass out, there's something wrong with that, right? And there's a crippling fear. And I feel like that's happened with this. But look, it's not just that. It's other things, other reasons that we can have this crippling fear that keep us from serving the Lord with our lives. And that is not God's intention. God's intention is not for us to have this. That is not of God, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for 
God hath not given us the spirit of fear. This guy tried to use this excuse of I was afraid. But God says that is not from me. That was not of me. You should be serving the Lord, not fearing what uh, these other things. So uh, you saw the types of fear. I want you to look at some reasons for fear. What are some reasons for fear? One reason that you might be afraid is because others won't approve or won't understand. Some people are afraid because others won't approve or won't, underst uh, won't understand. They'll, they'll think, they're thinking, what will they think of me? And it keeps them from serving the Lord. They're afraid to be a witness because they're afraid they might be made fun of. They're afraid to tell somebody they might be a missionary or a preacher because they won't understand it. They won't approve it. Uh, so we need to be uh, watch out for this 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 um, this reason for fear of not uh, not of others won't approve or won't understand. What will they think? Uh, I, I know of some young people that I believe, I honestly believe, were called uh, into missions. And they went and they were, they were going to tell their parents and they thought that their parents would just be so excited. Uh, but they weren't. They didn't understand. And um, those, pe th those young people never followed down the line of being a missionary because that fear of others uh, not approving. Uh, another area that people, a uh, reason for fear can be the unknown. Uh, a lot of times people won't, won't take those steps of faith because they don't know what will happen if. Uh, what, what if this happens? Or what, what, if, what if I go there and, I, and I'm not able to learn the language? Or what if I go and they don't receive me? Or, or what if I do this? Or what if, what if this virus comes? Or what if I get sick? Or what if, what if, what if of the unknown? And some people will just not even serve the Lord. They won't fulfill their, their God-given talents and, and do what God is calling on their life because they don't, understand, they don't know what the unknown is. They want to have everything planned out. Uh, I can admit that I'm pretty bad about this sometimes. Uh, I'm one of those people that sometimes I, I don't want to start a thing until I know how the thing is going to finish. And, and that's not the way that faith works. That's not the way that God works. If you're going to serve the Lord, sometimes you have to step out into the unknown and do something uh, for God. So reasons for fear. Sometimes we'll, we'll be worried about what others think, if others approve, or sometimes we'll be worried about the unknown. I, I go back to this man in this parable, and, and I was thinking maybe that's the way he was. Maybe he was thinking, uh, well, others aren't going to understand Hey, I've only got one talent. They've got, they've got two and they've got five and, and, and they might make fun of me. But listen, that does, that's not an excuse for not serving God. Uh, he might have been scared about the unknown. He, he's afraid to invest because if the Lord came back and I lost it, or what, what could happen then? And he's afraid of the unknown. And the third reason that we find, the third reason uh, that we can find for fear sometimes is failure. I really believe that's what happened to this man here in this, this, uh, this story that we're reading, this talent. Uh, he hid it in the earth. He's afraid he's going to lose it. And so he was scared. And he did nothing. How can I do it? I, uh, sometimes we, we, we think we have to do it. We have to be perfect and we have to have everything perfect. Uh, and we, we don't do anything for the Lord because we're afraid of failure. Um, me and Brother Chris went the other day, yesterday, and we were uh, going to the bus kids, and Brother Chris was giving a lesson. He gave a lesson on Peter, on Peter walking on water. You know, and, and Peter, uh, he, the, the, the storm was raging and all was going on, and they see Jesus walking on the water, and, and, and he's coming uh, to them, and, he, and, and Peter says, well, if, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come unto you, and he gets out of the boat. And I don't, think, I don't think Peter was one of those people that cared if others approved of him. Now, that's one of the, that's one of the things about Peter is, you know, he, he just didn't seem to care about that. Um, he didn't care if those other guys thought on the boat. He's getting out. 
You know, Peter, I don't know if Peter cared about the unknown. Peter probably took some steps he shouldn't have taken. Something that the Lord didn't even want him to take sometimes, you know. Peter didn't seem to care about that. But Peter got out there on the water, and he started looking around. He saw the waves. He saw the wind. And he says, you know, I can't do this. Hey, this is beyond me. This is beyond my ability. What happened when he started to fear? The Bible says that he was afraid. What happened when he started to fear? He started to sink. He started to sink. And that's the, that, that leads us into the remedy for faith. What is it that is the remedy for faith or for fear? It's faith. You remember, our remedy, um, our remedy for ignorance is knowledge. Our remedy for rebellion is repentance. And the remedy, the only remedy for fear is faith. What, if, what about this, this thought of others won't approve? Well, listen, that tells you that you have a lack of faith in the plan of God. He has a purpose for your life. We need to realize that if even if everybody else doesn't approve, we, we shouldn't be scared of what they think. Our goal, our, our desire ought to be to please the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our King. He is who we're seeking the approval of. And He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. And if others don't approve, that doesn't matter. We need to have faith in the purpose of God for your life. He's given you a talent for a purpose, use it for His glory. We've got to have faith in His purpose, in His plan. Hey, if, you, if, you, if everybody thinks you're crazy and God thinks you're, you please Him, that's what really matters, isn't it? So follow the Lord. Uh, have faith in the plan, the purpose that He has for you. What about this thing about the unknown? About, about the unknown, it shows a lack of faith in the providence of God. Hey, we know that He can provide for us. We know that He has a plan for us. We know that we might know, not know the future, but God knows the future. He holds your future in His hands. He's not going to ask you to step out and do something that He's not going to provide for you and care for you and use you for His glory. We need to realize that He is the holder of our future and that He cares for you. And don't let the, the, the lack of the knowledge of the unknown keep you from serving Him. Have faith. Don't have fear. Step out and serve the Lord. You don't have to know all the details. You need to go and serve God with your life. Don't let this, this unknown, the lack of faith in the providence of God keep you from serving Him. And what about this failure? This being fearful of failure. It shows a lack of faith in the power of God. We need to realize something. It's not about you. It's not about your ability. It's not about your skill or talent. It's about the talent and skill that God gives you. It's about how He can use your life. The only way that you'll ever overcome fear in your life is through faith. It's through faith. R.B. Ouellette, he said this in a message he was preaching about faith. This is the definition that he gives of faith, and I like it. He says, trusting, he, this is the definition of faith. The definition of faith is faith is trusting God 1% more then you trust your doubts. And isn't that what it's all about? It's about serving God. You might have some doubts. You might have some fears. You might have some anxiety. But you need to serve God. Trust God anyway. So remember, we gave you some types of fear. We gave you the natural fear, right? The natural fear. Uh, and that is a cautious fear. We gave you an unnatural fear. That's a, that's a crippling fear that keeps you from serving God. But there's a third type of fear. You found it in Hebrews 11, verse 7. We talked about it this morning. And that fear is a fear of God. And that gives us courage. Talks about Noah there. And it says that Noah, uh, by faith, that Noah uh, feared the Lord uh, to the saving of his, uh, of his family, to of his soul. Uh, and so this third type of fear is a godly fear. 
And that, that fear motivates us to serve the Lord. It's not, it doesn't cause us to have caution or be crippled, but it causes us to be courageous, to serve God, to have faith, to not be afraid. I've seen this often, this little phrase that's been going around, faith over fear, faith over fear. And I do think that's a great thought, a great saying, but uh, it can be just a saying. We don't live it out in our life. Three things about faith. First of all, our faith should be fed. Our faith should be fed. Romans 10, 17. So faith, then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, our faith should be fed. Faith is not a, 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 a stagnant thing. It's not, it's not something that you have, and, and it's always the same. Uh, it, it's, it's a dynamic thing. It's a thing that grows. It's a thing that can, that can shrink. It's something that we must work. It's something that we must feed. And so our faith, uh, we need to feed our faith. What are you doing to feed your faith? Many people are very fearful right now. And you know what we need to do more than anything at any time is we need to be feeding our faith. Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you feeding your faith? Are you, are you, are you listening to God's Word? We need to be feeding our faith. It needs to be growing. Uh, if we're going to have faith, Faith over fear, we need to be feeding our faith. Second thing about it, our faith should be lived. Our faith should be lived. Romans 1.17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says that we are to walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is not something that you feel. Faith is not something that you believe. Faith is something that you live. That is Bible faith. A lot of people think that they have faith because they know some things. A lot of people have faith because they feel some things. A lot of people think they have faith because they even believe some things. But that's not Bible faith. You look at Hebrews chapter 11. Every time it says that by faith, somebody had an action right after it. They walked with God, Enoch did. Uh, Noah built an ark. Uh, uh, Abraham uh, left his home and went and searched for a country. Hey, Moses, he, he forsook Egypt and followed the Lord. It's not about believing something. It's about doing something with what you believe. That is faith. Faith is to be lived. You can't live it being scared in your home and doing nothing for God. You must live out your faith. That is faith over fear. It's not believing something. It's living something. So we see that our faith should be lived. And then lastly, number three, our faith should be kept. I like the way that Paul said it when he was about to die. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Hebrews 10, 23, another verse you can look at if you want to. He says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Hold it fast. Uh, a lot of people are very doubtful right now. They're anxious they don't know what's going on and, and, and they're not having the connection with the church that they want to. And, 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 and maybe they're even they're having some feelings inside about, 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 about church or about God or about all of this. And let me tell you something. Don't let this be the time when you lose your faith. Hold on. Hold fast to it. Keep your faith in God and His plan and His purpose for your life. Let me give you a closing verse. And I want you to memorize this. It's a good verse for you. Sometimes we can be real fearful. Uh, sometimes we can have anxiety. And when you do, I want you to quote this verse. I was talking to a young lady about this the other day. She's having, she's having some anxiety, some issues. And I, that's what I, I gave them this verse and told them this to quote it. Memorize it. Uh, Psalm 56, verse 3. 
It's real simple. What time I am afraid. And can't we admit that we all have, uh, we, we all get scared. We all are afraid sometimes. Some of you guys, you act like you're never afraid. We know you are. What time I am afraid, Psalm 56.3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Sounds so simple. It be pretty hard sometimes. Psalm 56.3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we love you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this uh, word from you. Lord, I pray it's been an encouragement to your people. Uh, Lord, I know I need it. Sometimes I'm fearful. Sometimes I'm scared. Uh, God, I know I'm, I, I struggle with my faith sometimes, Lord. I, I want to have everything planned. or I want to know all the details. Uh, Lord, I want to be perfect. And God, I realize that I'm not, but you are, and your plan is. And God, may we learn to trust you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to live by faith, even in these trying times. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God for that message. I hope that you got something out of it, that you'll get out of your comfort zone and live in God's will. Amen. Let's have a moment of invitation while the piano plays. Maybe just uh, be still and know that He is God right where you're at in your home, maybe outside, around a picnic table, wherever you might be to listen to this message. I pray that you got something out of it and that you'd realize that where faith ends, fear begins, and where fear ends, faith begins. And it's by faith. What a good message. And sometimes we will not do a lot of things because of fear. Some people won't get married because of fear. Some people won't have babies because of fear. Some people won't uh, uh, start a church or pastor a church because of fear. Some people won't start a ministry. Some people won't just, uh, teach a class because uh, of fear, of fear, all those, all that's mentioned. Uh, some won't serve in the church because of fear. We need to be faithful. We need to have faith. And we need to walk through the fear and have faith in God. That doesn't mean not be uh, cautious and, and conscious there's a need here to be careful. But at the same time, we need to grow in faith. Maybe right where you're sitting, you'd say uh, just simple prayer of invitation, Lord, increase my faith. Maybe somebody would um, uh, join in prayer for Brother Austin and Sister Juanel and others that we know have the virus, and we'd have pray by faith that God would heal them, that we would pray by faith that this young man would get saved, that was under conviction in the service, first time visitor this morning, raised his hand. We need to have faith, and faith will help us accomplish what God wants in our life. Let's pray and ask God to seal this message to our hearts. Lord, thank you for this good message. Thank you for the scripture. Thank you for the word of God that gives us faith. But God, we know that the word of God comes by applying it, has been preached this morning and tonight. And I pray, God, that we'd step out by faith this week, hand out a track. God, uh, be a blessing to someone. We spend more time in prayer as an act of faith, coming to you, believing that you are the reward of them that diligently seek you. We're going to praise you and thank you for a good week of living, not paralyzed by fear, but Lord, led by faith. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.